seeking collaborations with influential people, at GZPR, we create passion-fueled collaborations that go beyond traditional representation, a performance agency that onboards new clients every month. Our focus is on POC collaborations. Contact us now at hellogzpr.com, a self-aware public relations agency exploring world perspectives with leading talents. Hello and welcome. My name is Tiffany Farag and welcome to the Get to Know You Cafe. In my mission to open conversations and access deeper dialogue, I wanted to hear from you listeners on last week's question and discussion. Last week, Brooke Strawn and I discussed the question, does life need to kick you around for you to have strength? We received a number of responses that further deepen dialogue. Joining us today on the Get to Know You Cafe is Sean Rosenstiel for an upcoming episode. Welcome, Sean. Thank you for having me, Tiffany. Good to be thank here you for, with you. Thank you for coming on the onto the cafe session. So earlier you were given the topic from last week's podcast to reflect, and you've also listened to the episode. Prior to listening to the different responses, what are your thoughts on the discussion? It was. I thought it was interesting. Um, I, I was very surprised about how much adversity uh, she's faced throughout her life. I learned a lot about these uh, health issues that she's been overcoming, frankly, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I learned a lot about that. And I loved, I think it was about halfway through, maybe three quarters of the way through that we talked about, you asked the question, right? And I think she was the one who brought it up, this idea that like, f- not forcing, but like presenting adversity to kids. Yeah, that <laughs> no, was my suggestion. Oh, well, it was yours. I, yeah, it was my yeah. suggestion. I'm like, well, should we be doing that? Just like, you know, in a controlled fashion. Yes. Yeah. I, presents them with some adversity so that they have strength. Or yeah, so that that resonates with me because we we are my family is so fortunate now, and um, you know we have three kids, seven and under, and my wife and I actually do that. You know, like we'll we'll do things to make sure that they've got a little bit of, you know, grit (laughs) that they have a little bit of adversity. So when you were discussing that idea and, and, and you termed it and I don't remember, it wasn't like forced adversity or planned adversity, controlled, controlled adversity, controlled adversity. Yeah. Yeah. So when you said that, like we, we've done that uh, with our kids. So for example, we, as you know, we try to live as intentionally as we can be and we used to live in Chicago. We just moved to Dallas this year. And when we were in Chicago for the past seven years, we'd actually come down to Dallas. So my family's in Chicago, my wife's family's in Dallas, and we'd come to Dallas for the winter to uh, escape some of the cold of Chicago, but primarily because we wanted to spend three months out of the year with my wife's family and her siblings and her parents. Well, when we did that, we would enroll our kids into the schools down in Dallas for, for just a short period of time. We had a lot of friends back home in Chicago who are like, how can you do, you know, how can you be doing that to your, to your kids? Like, what are you talking about? You know? And they're like, well, it's so hard for kids to, to pick up and move and, and plug in into new classrooms. And, and we later found out that some of our friends who were um, saying that, moved a lot as kids and they, mm. they did not have a good experience with that. I have a friend who was 
like a military brat, right? Who just, you know, base to base. So that's where some of that feedback was coming from. But my wife and I always thought, you know, we like how we're doing this because it's forcing our children to go into a classroom halfway through the school year and have to just almost be chameleons and flex and figure things out and mold and figure out a way to make friends and, and, and to introduce, they're going to have to introduce themselves and tell the classroom where they're from. And I think that's a good thing. It gets them a little bit out of their comfort zone, not much, but just a little bit. And it helps them to become more versatile a little bit. Right. Uh, so we always kind of, we didn't plan that necessarily, but we always looked at that as I think this is controlled adversity. And I think this is a good thing for them. I think this is a character builder. It's a safe character builder. Um, you know, what was really neat was we enrolled, um, this was last year, we enrolled our kids into uh, a preschool, our oldest uh, son and our uh, only daughter. So they were like six and five or maybe five and four at the time. We enrolled them into a preschool and they were the only um, white kids in this preschool. And we thought that was neat. You know, we thought that was really cool, but I'll tell you, we dropped them off and we were the only white parents there. And, you know, the teachers, the other parents, all the kids, um, they were from different ethnicities and we dropped them off. And on the way home, we're like, you know, our little girl, Alice, you know, what if she gets picked on? You know, what if she gets picked on? Um, You know, we had all these thoughts, all these doubts and she came home. And we're kind of like on pins and needles, like, how did this go? This was so different. Like maybe we went, maybe this was a little outside, too far outside, but we wanted this for our kids. And they came home and my, my daughter, Alice, I think she was four. She's like, dad, 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 can I have corn rolls? <laughs> <laughs> they were like, what? Like it was so, it was such an awesome experience. Everybody, we were there for three months and like, it was just such an incredible experience. It was such, we were welcomed with open arms. Like it became a family that everyone was so great. The teachers, the parents, the kids, it was so awesome. Um, and we were so grateful that we did that because we didn't have anything like that back home in Chicago. Um, our kids were not exposed to that many races and ethnicities and cultures. And we were like, this is so neat mm-hmm. that they had this experience. And for them, of course, they didn't. For them, it was like they never had any issues with, you know, they didn't even know. Yeah. Like that, all of our concerns, like those don't exist at all unless we as parents are putting those things on them, some of those beliefs, right? So we were so thrilled that like our kids didn't know anything. They just got along. They plugged in. They had new friends. It was so cool. They learned new things. And we were just so grateful to to have that exposure and to have that experience. And um, it was really a neat thing. So that's what I was thinking of when you said that, uh, the, con- that idea, the controlled adversity. I'm a really big fan of that. And, uh, you know, you look back on some of the, you look back on some of the adversity that you've faced. And in most times, most of us kind of, we dip a bit before we rise. Like sometimes there's like this little lull, like just a tiny dip. And then all of a sudden, boom, we, we hit a next level. We grow, we learn whatever it is. We make it to that next stage. We, we pick up new mindsets, habits, and beliefs or whatever it is. So I don't know. I'm all for it. I, I think yeah. it's a great idea, especially, I, I, you know, unfortunately I think 
it's not necessary for the vast majority of children. Mm-hmm. You know, like the more and more I learn and the more and more I plug in and get involved. Um, life already has them. They're life, already going through very difficult in. things. That's right. And that they probably they shouldn't be going through, which, yeah, which we'll in. get into more with some of the questions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. And what I've found too with my kids is, you know, you can only, you probably only want to do so much of that and you have to be uh, tactful with it. But what I've found with my kids is, you know, they volunteer a lot with me. So as soon as both of my older children turned four, they started to volunteer with me. Mm. And I think that's a really neat way for them to experience other people's adversity so they can have some appreciation for it. You can instill that uh, value of service in them at an early age. Uh, Last time we were down here in the winter, there was a lot of homeless people around the house that we were were staying in. And the kids would say, you know, what's that person doing? What are they asking you for? Why are you giving that person a bottle of water or whatever it was? So we were explaining, well, there's homeless people in the world. And Mm. uh, my son actually said, Hey, you know, we should go around and deliver peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Mm. You know, so we created this operation homeless thing and we took a morning on a Saturday. It was so fun together. Yeah. And we went out, we got the supplies, we brought them home, we put on gloves, we made the PB and J sandwiches, bottle of water, packaged them in a bag. And we spent a few hours going around and, handing these off. And that was so neat for my kids to know, oh, there's that adversity in the world. You know, I think that's so important for, for kids to, to have that instilled in them at an early age. Absolutely. So that to Absolutely. me out of everything stood out, stood out. I love the question. Yeah. And I know that your guest, what was her name, by the way? Was it Brooks? Brooke. 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 Yeah. Brooke. I know that Brooke kind of had a hard time answering that. And I found myself also having a hard time, like, organizing my thoughts around it too. Around the question. Yeah, absolutely. So now some some of the um, the listeners shared some of their responses and their perspectives or they raised some questions. So we'll be sharing some of those right now. So the first response was from Amber from New York. She said, that statement that Brooke's friend made, that adversity is king, really mm. stood out to me. What do you think about this? Adversity is king. I think <laughs> that that statement could potentially empower certain people, right? I think it depends on where you're at. If you're right in the middle of a serious struggle, it's going to be really difficult for that statement to resonate. You know, we've all been right in the midst of a catastrophe. We've all been yes. right in the midst. And by the way, adversity, like some people, like it's all, it's all relative, you know, like if I, if, if a friend is complaining to me because, um, their coffee was too hot. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like seriously, but to them, it's a big problem. So, sure. you know, and then other people are over here and they're just trying to scrounge up some, you know, cash to get, feed their family, their next meal. Yes. But it's all relative. So who am I to say that, that, you know, judge that person because your coffee's too hot and that's what you're complaining about or, mm. you know, who am I to judge, right? I'm sure there was times in my life where I complained about some pretty silly things myself. Um, so adversity is king. I, personally, I don't know if it's king. I think adversity is, is or can be used as a tool. I think adversity is the teacher. That's what I would say. I wouldn't necessarily say adversity is king. 
I do think it's helpful when you're when you've gone beyond it and you've reached a place in that process of experiencing adversity where you're in a better position to reflect back, you know, and think about it a little differently. But for me, adversity is a teacher. It's always been a teacher. Yeah, absolutely. I think obviously like I feel that too. It's just like sometimes, you know, you go through things and in in many ways I, I just hope that I'm like, okay, now that I've come out of it, I don't think people should have gone, should go through what I went through just to get, now that I've come out of it, just to be strong. Now I'm strong, yes, but I don't think you need to go through hell to be strong mm-hmm. in, in, in my mind, you know. Like I, I just feel, uh, is there a way around it? Like, you know, as, I, as you listen yeah. to in the episode, uh, uh, like I mentioned, uh, 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 is it possible for some people to have strength and not have had some, you know, difficult, very strong, traumatic experiences or difficult times? Is is that that a thing? I don't know if that's even possible. I think it is. I think it is. Before we talk about that, I just want to go back for one second. I think adversity is a goldmine in the information age because how many people now have gotten on the other side of adversity and are sharing their path with others who are on step one of it? That's right. So adversity can also, when you're in the right place, you know, if you choose to, adversity, I think, could be used as, you know, as a way to really contribute and give back and also make some money making yeah. a difference because of technology, because of the information age, right? So to your last question, I think it's a good one. When, when you were talking through that, I thought about Carol Dweck's book, uh, um, Mindset. Is that right? Mindset. I think. Yeah. Mindset. And she talks about how there are two types of people in the world. There are people who are growth motivated and people who are deficiency motivated. And I think that helps me understand what you and Brooke were talking about, because I think for some of us, we're we're more motivated to move away from pain than we are to move toward pleasure. And for some of us who are deficiency motivated, we're going to sit on a nail until it, it hurts really bad. Like there's a story of uh, a gentleman who's kind of minding his business. He's rocking in a chair in his porch and there's a dog. His dog's sitting right next to him. The neighbor comes up, starts a conversation and notices that the dog's whimpering. And he asks the gentleman, well, why is your dog whimpering? And the gentleman goes, well, he's sitting on a nail. And the neighbor goes, well, why doesn't he get up and move? And the gentleman goes, well, because he's not in enough pain. Hmm. He's comfortable. Doesn't hurt him enough. So for some of us that are deficiency motivated, I think we may need to reach a certain level of of adversity or pain in order to really compel us and propel us to, to change. Others of us, a much smaller percentage of us, our growth motivated. We're more motivated to move toward pleasure. So in my view, those are the, you know, personal development junkies, the personal growth junkie, you know, it's like those types of people, our types of people. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But it's people like <laughs> us, right. Yes. Who are like really motivated to grow and to learn and to improve themselves. So I, to me, I thought about Carol Dweck's book mindset. And I think, depending on the area of life we're looking at, I'm deficiency motivated in certain areas. You know, I'm like right now, that's just not as important as it is. Mm. You know, like I'm a little overweight right now, but it just doesn't hurt badly enough for me to change my diet yet. 
or to start eating more healthy foods yet. Now it will. Uh, but there's other areas where it's like, wow, I'm really like, like your podcast, you know, there's other areas where your growth is motivated and you're like, this is going so well. I want to pour gasoline on this fire and create a bonfire out of this thing. <laughs> so you're more growth motivated, right? Yeah. So for me, like when you said that, that kind of helps me kind of wrap my brain around the question and some of the sub questions that were asked. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. So, um, our next response is from Rick from Sydney. He said, we all have our limits of how much pain we can withstand, but the limit changes as you're exposed to greater adversity. If you were kicked around by life frequently, would that prevent you reaching breaking point? Oh, that's an interesting question. It is. To, to me, my response would be, if you were kicked around enough frequently, <clears throat> I think you would, you know, I think you would, um, you would have more scar tissue. And I think your tolerance for pain would increase. Yes. Uh, I think you would be more compelled to make changes more frequently and to become almost second nature for you. Not that you would become like this dull person who just gets literally kicked and kicked and kicked and kicked and no, kicked. And, you know, no, at some you, point in time. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, you would build scar tissue and I think you would be more resilient if that was the, the example, I think you would become more resilient over time and something that may have really bothered you and taken you off course a year ago might now be like, up, oh, been there, done that next. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. you would, uh, I think you would generate toughness and resilience from those yeah. experiences. Sure. I, I thinking too, like, like I said in the question, like, you know, that breaking point of where you would reach, would that keep going up? Is like, okay, that, you know, like, does that keep going up and up and up? for you to for you to like you 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 you're always away from it because you you keep experiencing more and more adversity so the breaking point kind of moves. Hmm. Could it could. Yeah, and then I know so I know other people who don't have a breaking point. Is that <laughs> no, possible though? I I don't know. I I've experienced I mean I know people who have a very low breaking point and I know people who I'm like when are they going to break? Mm. Also then that's you know? them. That's because because they, they've experienced so much their breaking point Maybe. must be it keeps moving. Yeah. And maybe they did have a breaking point before I got to know them. Mm. You know, that's certainly possible, but yeah, that's a good one. That's a good and question. and uh, yeah. Another thing too, is what is a breaking point? What does that mean when you, when you do reach breaking point, what is that? What does that entail? Yeah. Cause when you're, when you're saying breaking point, I'm just going to make an assumption that a lot of people think it means like you're broken. You keel over. Yeah. You, you're broken, you give up and you can't broken. get it back up. You wave the white flag and you yeah. say, I'm done. Yes. My definition of a breaking point, my association with that term breaking point is when you say enough and you move forward to make that difficult decision or you say enough or you change that behavior. Mm. So it just depends on the association with breaking point. To me, breaking point is a very good thing because it gives someone the ability to finally say enough's enough and they create that demarcation line in the sand and they say never again. So when you're saying breaking point, that's how I'm interpreting it in my head. Okay. But I bet you a lot of listeners may not be interpreting it that way. A lot of listeners might be thinking, you know, suicide. when you're done, exactly. Or that's they might where, be thinking, yes, yeah, yeah. So like I, I didn't, I wasn't thinking about it in the way you, that you just mentioned right now, but how you're looking at it. Um, when I, when I think about what you're talking about, I'm like, well, I almost reached breaking point, but because I was able to shifted around and like enough was enough and I brought myself back up 
to right. me, it's like I didn't reach breaking point. You know what right. I mean? But right. I almost reached it. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, when I've reached it, it's been a very good thing. Mm. <laughs> it's, you know, because it, it, luckily it didn't result in a panic attack or in a hospitalization or, a, you know, luckily for me, it, it resulted in a decision that I had had procrastinated for far too long. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. Like it's it's such a, a I like how like it, it means so many different things for many different people and and right. um even for the friend that Brooke mentioned, he has P, strong PTSD and he that the way he termed it, he reached breaking point. And it's hard for him to even though he's on strong medications and things like that, it's like he's it's struggling to get back up on his feet. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's why I think there's so much miscommunication in the world. I mean, you and I could be sitting here. We have two different, completely different definitions of breaking point, and we're arguing for a half hour. And we yes. can't seem to get on the same page. And all it is is we have different meanings or associations behind this silly little phrase, breaking point. I, language is such a powerful thing, right? I loved in your interview with Brooke, she said something, and I think she was referencing an example and she was talking about a disability. And, and, and I don't remember how she phrased this, but she said he looked at his disability as something else. Do you remember that? Yeah. So, so like not just the disability, we're talking about emotion. Is that near the end of the episode? We're, yeah, it was we're near talking the end. about, yeah. So, we're talking about how um, PTSD or depression or anxiety, it's like the new norm, the, nor- the, 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 um, the new phenomenon. That's what it is. Okay. So let's look at that for a minute. Cause I love that. I was like, yes. Okay. I'm really into meaning and purpose. And especially like I'm, I'm into language and the power of words. Mm -hmm. If you and I have a bad podcast today and we get off this cafe podcast and I go home and talking to my wife, she's like, Sean, how'd the podcast go? I'm like, Oh, it was awful. It was awful. I screwed up. Tiffany's questions were brutal. She made me listen to this awful interview from last week that I didn't care about. It was a total waste of time and I totally blew it. So it was awful. What, what if that was my response? Well, what, what meaning do I associate with this pod? If it's awful. So I have a totally bad experience. Well, what if instead I said it was good, but I could have done better. Like where would that conversation go? Oh, really? Well, it's good that it was good, but what could you have done better? Well, I screwed up here and I should have done these things and, I probably could have prepared a little better and maybe actually listened to the interview I was supposed to listen to ahead of time. That would have helped just saying awful or good, just that tiny little change. Like I could either say, Oh, I'm so, I'm so furious. Or I could say, Oh, you know, I'm a little annoyed and that changes everything that changes all thinking patterns. So when Brooke said, I think she was referencing what someone else, how someone else looked at their, when, when she said, disability and yeah, look at it as a phenomenon instead. That totally takes the charge out of the situation. It totally yes. dis, it like, it just eliminates the threat. Cause when we say disability, it's like, that's my identity. Yes. I have this disability and I feel like I'm immobilized and disempowered because of this disability but if all of a sudden I look at this thing as a phenomenon, like I get a totally different meaning out of that word mm. than I get out of disability. Absolutely. So I, I love that part. And I think that's so important, the power of the language we use and just 
And not only the language you use, but just getting on the same page with the person you're talking to about, well, what do you, you know, you keep saying breaking point. Mm. Can you define that? What do you mean? Because like, we seem to be on different planets here and I'm not, you know, we're not connecting. What does that mean to you? And someone's like, oh, well, that means this. You're like, oh, well, no wonder we can't seem to connect. I'm over here thinking this way. Exactly. It's just the way our brains work. You and I go to see a movie and ask us a week later our experience, and you're going to have a totally different answer about what the movie was about than I will. Because we generalize, we delete, we distort, like we just interpret information so differently. Different. Absolutely. So I and love that's what the this power. Whole, yeah. And that's what this whole cafe is about. We're hearing these different perspectives. Like now I know what you mean by breaking point. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe somebody else is looking at it like that. And like you're mentioning, when, they, when um, Brooke mentioned natural phenomenon, absolutely. Like it's such a great to have all these different perspectives and and uh, gives you clarity as to, okay, wait, this is what I'm looking at. This is how I'm talking, but this is how others are seeing things. Right. This is how others, what, these are other people's perspectives and, and, and um, you know, viewpoints of beliefs about certain things that I didn't even, that was not even, uh, you know, I, I wasn't aware of that at all. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. No, I loved how Brooke, I, I love that example, you know, when she said it's, it's, you know, disability into a phenomenon because, like, I know a lot of people who tell me that they have self-diagnosed ADD. Mm. And you know, the, your identity is like the most powerful force in the human psyche. Like your, your identity, like you will make sure that your identity becomes a reality. So I talked to these people who are like, well, I've self-diagnosed ADD. I'm like, huh, is that, is that empowering you? Is that, is that helpful to you? What does that give you excuses? <laughs> it's like, what does that do exactly for you? It allows you to act in a way that may disempower you in certain areas. Um, so I just, I love that disability in the phenomenon. And obviously it's not that simple. We're talking in very black and white terms and there's a lot of gray area when it comes to mental health. Everyone's different and everyone has their own experiences of it. But uh, I think the power of language, big takeaway for me after listening to that interview was like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a really neat thing to play around with in your head. And to maybe use a different word or a different phrase and see how that feels. Yeah. And see what train of thought that brings you down. Absolutely. Right? It shifts the whole dynamic in the conversation it and the really feeling does. as well for both so people receiving and giving those words. Absolutely. So our last response is from Stephen from Switzerland. He said, I wonder if we can measure or if we should measure people's mental or emotional strength to know how much they can withstand. That's interesting. So like force someone to go through hell and back to see where their breaking point is. Is well, that what Steve's saying? No, I don't think he's saying to go through it, but to see if there's a way of measuring how much they can withstand, not 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 to actually put them through something. How would you measure it without putting them through something? I don't know. So I like I wonder if like is there like because as we we're mentioning, is there a genetic component to it? Right. Is there things like right. that? Is there a test that could be done to know how much emotional or mental, uh, like is there a test that should show that to know what you can take on? Because wouldn't that be something? Like if you could know right now, Sean, okay, this is the amount of, of emotional or um, mental adversity that you could go through without, without I don't know, it, it, it you know, 
you reach so, a really difficult point in your life. So that was a part of the conversation that I really wasn't very interested in. And here's why. If I'm told that let's, let's say I was tested for this and I was told that I could withstand a, a level six out of 10. Mm-hmm. If I had that knowledge, I would walk around thinking, when's the seven coming? Mm. When am I going to break? First of all, so I'd live in this stress anxiety. It's like, I don't want to know when I'm going to die for the same reasons, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for some kind of similar to that. Yeah. For some things in my life, in my experience, ignorance is bliss. Right. So it's like, yeah. secondly, if the scale is one through 10, I truly believe that human beings can withstand a 25. Yeah, we don't know our capacity. We don't no. know. We don't know our no. capacity. Our potential is so great. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't want to feel limited based on a test result and then walk around knowing like, oh, I'm okay. I'm a five. That was just a four. I'm fine. I want to process these things independently of one another based on where I'm at in life, mm-hmm. based on whatever everything else is going on. Like I think each one of these things, it, with that knowledge, I think it would actually do more damage than good for me in my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would not take that test. And I, I think that we as human beings are capable. There are There is so much untapped human potential on this planet it it, you know it keeps me up at night yeah absolutely i completely agree like i'm always like well we don't know what our limits are we don't we don't know where we could go we don't know how we could behave in this situation like until you're in something you don't know what what how you're going to behave or what you're going to do or say or 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 it be an extremely difficult thing or, or or an incredible thing right right yeah. Or an incredible moment. So, yeah, I kind of agree with the second part of this, where it's like, if we should measure people's mental, emotional strength, may, I, I agree with you. I don't think we should measure it, even yeah. if we should know it. But I would like to know if there's a genetic component to it. Like, I'd like to know if, you know, just to know, like, does it, is there a gene for that? Yeah. I'm a big student of Bruce Lipton. So, he wrote uh, one of his books, is The Biology of Belief. And uh, I love his work, it's out there. If I would have looked at that work five years ago, I'd have been like, what in the heck is this? But I'm into this work now. And uh, I really appreciate all that he's done. And he he really looks at, it's like epigenetics. So he really looks at, you know, three factors. There's mm-hmm. your the, the genes, the genetics, but there's also the environment. And there's also your perception of the environment. So I'm a, b- a big believer in all three, but um, I think environment's really important. I think yeah. environment's very important. Absolutely. So if I, yeah, I mean, if I grew up and my parents uh, got angry over every little thing that went wrong in their life day after day after day after day, you know, I think it's like before we reach like six or seven, like we believe it, our brain is a sponge, like that subconscious mind of ours is soaking everything up and everything is truth. Everything is truth. We don't question. We don't have our conscious mind yet to challenge and question anything. Mm. I think before the age of, you know, six or seven. So like, if that's the environment I'm in and I see these role models, these leaders of the household getting just furious at everything that goes wrong, just tiny little things that inconvenience them. They're just going crazy. I might think that's normal. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I might think that's how, you know, how I'll handle things moving forward. It might be automatic behavior for me without me even realizing that, oh, this isn't, 
this isn't normal. What is normal? Who defines normal? <laughs> you know, yeah. what is normal to me is different than you. So absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think, I think genes, maybe, maybe genes, maybe environment. Yeah. The you know? both is an, is a, you know, there's an additional kind of result. It's like any, you know, a lot of us have genetics uh, in our DNA that we're prone to maybe uh, um, diabetes or heart disease or things like this. But if we're living in a healthy environment where we're ingesting certain things, maybe these things don't come up. Right. We right. don't necessarily, we, we're prone to it. They're in our genetics, but it doesn't mean we, we would necessarily get them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. I mean, look at based on our previous discussion is like, and, and based on the, the interview, it's like, well, adversity is king. Well, I have put, we have put ourselves in an environment where we learned about this person who said adversity is king and that's what they believe. So that, that has influenced me a little bit just because we're talking about adversity helps me realize right now, like, oh, some of the things that I don't like in my life, they're a little uncomfortable. These things are there to help me grow. Mm. You know, then you put yourself in certain environments where the mentor is saying, look, life doesn't happen to you. Life happens for you. And it changes your way of looking at things. And then there's mentors like Wayne Dyer, you know, who says when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. So that's putting yourself in an environment that is a very growth motivated environment. Right. And I think that for me, at least helps me increase my tolerance for pain. <laughs> absolutely. Know? Absolutely. It sure <laughs> so, does. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Well, it's been very interesting hearing these different responses and adding to the conversation and, and uh, your own perspective on these different responses as well, Sean. So thank you so much uh, for coming on to the, the cafe discussion. Thanks for having me on this cafe discussion. This is a ton of fun. I love that you do this. It's so creative. Yeah, and it's so cool. Yeah, right? it's really fun. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, well, thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Get to Know You Cafe. If you enjoyed this podcast, rate, review, and share the podcast on Facebook or Instagram. You can tag me at Get to Know You with Tiffany Farag. Be sure to listen to Tuesday's podcast and send in your responses for us to include next Thursday on the Get to Know You Cafe to further deepen dialogue on this topic. If you have any topics you would like us to discuss, be sure to tag me in a post with your question. Join us every Thursday on the Get to Know You Cafe.